From WFUV News, I'm Rebecca Gutierrez, and this is She Was, She Is, a podcast series exploring how women have advanced in music, politics, business, and sports. Each week, we'll speak with industry professionals to learn about the struggles and successes of women in their field. Today, we kick off the series by looking at the music industry. Coming up, we'll talk with the all-female New York City rock band, Thick, about what they see as double standards in the music industry and why they think the Big Apple is the most welcoming to female musicians. There was an article about women in music and most of the guys I know in bands around here came up to me that week and were like, well, duh, we already know that women are taking over rock music. Like, yeah. that's what's happening in our scene anyway. Whereas when we would play shows, even in other major cities like LA, I don't think their reception was quite as warm. But first, my conversation with Nicole Barcelona, the president of Women in Music. Her organization works to educate, empower, and advance women at all levels of the music industry, from producers to executives to artists. Thanks so much for joining me today, Nicole. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me. Our conversation started with a discussion of some of the struggles women face on the business side of the music industry. When Women in Music was founded back in 1985, um, one of the biggest problems is there was a real lack of representation. There weren't that many women in the business um, and certainly not at the highest levels. So that you know has changed a little bit because there are a lot more women in the business today, but we still face kind of a gap at the top in terms of women in senior leadership positions in those decision-making positions. And that is really where the change happens is when um, the decision makers are representative of both the artists and people that the industry serves, right? So um, we still see a real gap there. And there's this concept called the broken rung in the ladder um, that kind of Sheryl Sandberg and Lean In and a lot of new age feminism talks about where there's this section in the middle of you know management leading up to those senior positions um, where women seem to drop off for various reasons around kind of this sense of not belonging or not having structures within these companies or these industries to support them. And, you know, a myriad of other, of other reasons I'm sure we could point to. And so that is really something we see too, that there just are not enough women and certainly not enough women of color in senior leadership in the music business. Um, and we're really working toward making it more equitable and making sure that the women who are in the industry um, do have that kind of culture of belonging to lean on. These struggles are shown in the statistics. According to Billboard, last year, just 2% of producers of the top 100 songs were women, which was down from 5% the year before. Not only this, but of the nearly 1,300 producer credits for the most popular songs since 2012, only 9 of them were for women of color. I asked Nicole what changes when there are women in those senior leadership positions in the industry. It changes everything, I think. I mean, when I first got into the business, I did not see a lot of women who were mentors who had a kind of life that I wanted to to mirror. So I really wanted to be able to have a family, um, to have a life outside of my job. And what I saw were these women who, who dedicated their entire lives to getting to where they were, but really didn't have space for much else. Because the, you know, the environment in the music business specifically was really toxic. It was like a lot of toxic masculinity. And I grew up in the business as well. My parents were both in it. So I kind of got to see this real shift. Um, And I think we're at a very different place today. But I think that um, it's really important for women to see themselves in those senior roles so that they know they can aspire to those kinds of careers. So being able now to see 
um, you know, it was like, must have been 10 years ago, I went to a panel at South by Southwest and it was a moms and music panel. And there were female artist managers who were moms who were talking about the fact that it was possible to kind of craft this life and career that you wanted. And that was really the first time where I was like, oh my goodness, I think maybe I could do this. I could be out on the road touring with my artist and also have a family and make it work for me in some way. Um, and I think that's really, really important. And what we try to do a lot at Women in Music is kind of highlight and amplify those women's journeys so that younger women or older women who one never got into the business and still want to, whatever it may be, um, see those kind of experiences reflected and know that it is possible. There are tools that we provide and other organizations provide to get help get there. Um, and that there is this kind of community and network of support where there certainly wasn't historically. Representation isn't only important so that aspiring women can see themselves reflected in senior positions. It also has real effects on what music we hear. The decision makers are the ones where everything trickles down from, right? So the artists that a label signs, if there isn't a woman and let's say a woman of color in senior leadership, you might not have artists signed who reflect, you know, that community. And that is really, really important, making sure that we have people who are signing artists, promoting artists on DSPs, promoting artists, you know, in digital marketing across the board. There is this woman, Leslie Fram, who works at CMT Country Music Television, and she is a part of an organization called Change the Conversation, based out of Nashville. And they do a lot of work on representation in country music specifically. And so Leslie and her team at CMT came out, I think it was last year, and said, we're going to pledge 50-50 gender representation on CMT. So we're going to show the same amount of music videos by female-led artists or bands as we do male artists and bands. And that was really empowering because someone was actually taking a step to say, we are committing to equal representation. Um, and so those kinds of decisions are important and it's because a woman is in that role and can make that decision. Unfortunately, the lack of representation of women doesn't just exist on the business side of the industry. It's also very prevalent for artists and songwriters. Last year, women represented just 20% of the performing artists of the year's top songs, down from 22.5% in 2019. I asked Nicole about the impact this has on the creative side of the industry. Yeah, I mean, talking about having influence, you know, creating art that reflects kind of the life you're living is also so empowering and important for people to hear and see. So having female creators share their experiences in a song or certainly like production, engineering, kind of all of those backseat roles that you don't necessarily see up front, but making sure that we have more women creating the art that everyone hears and it influences our culture at a larger level. Um, and then making sure that we have women in positions where, you know, a female artist can go find a team where she feels like she is creative and empowered in her space. So a lot of times you hear about artists going into a studio and it's all men in the studio. They're the only female and they automatically feel that they don't belong. Um, but they're the artists creating the art. And so having a woman be able to go into a studio where there's equal representation or whatever representation she hopes to see is really empowering and really important also for those artists to know that they have that creative space and power in their own careers. Nicole told me about a woman who is tackling the issue of representation head on. We work a lot with Noelle Skaggs, who's the co-lead singer of Fits in the Tantrums, and she's a Black woman, and she recently created this incredible organization called Diversify the Stage, and they work to make sure that there are more representative women of color 
in the live space. So Noelle would say when she showed up at a gig and she was the only black woman at the venue, she was like, where are all the women? Where are the women of color? Why am I up here performing? And I don't see any representation that I identify with out in this venue or backstage. And so making sure that we are all working toward, you know, having spaces where people walk in and automatically feel as though they belong. And Noelle is one of the artists who has really come out and, and led in that respect in the last year. She's done some incredible work and has these cohorts of young women of color being trained to work in the industry. And so it's just really inspiring and actually creating, I think, change for the future. Women like Noelle give Nicole hope that the industry is changing and becoming more equitable. And Nicole has also seen the industry change for the better through the Me Too movement and the conversations that were sparked by George Floyd's killing last summer. I will say, like, culturally over the last few years, certainly starting around the Me Too movement, seeing the film industry kind of rally around people and understanding that, like, there is kind of a no-tolerance policy, even though that's not necessarily true and not necessarily carried out in, in circumstances in entertainment, um, but that just that there's kind of more of an awareness of how serious things can get when you allow any form of discrimination to happen or assault or um, any kind of misconduct, that it's really a thin line. I'm asked a lot why Me Too didn't take off in music, um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we are so segmented. There are so many different careers within the music industry and we all work kind of a little bit siloed um but i think the fact that that kind of whole movement came about in entertainment really did spur this kind of new conversation um in our workplaces in music as well that they're just you know we don't have we don't have time and space for this stuff anymore <laughs> george george floyd's murder and um, the black lives matter movement over this past summer was another kind of development in terms of workplace and how we're thinking and talking about inclusion and diversity and um, creating spaces that people not only feel like they can have a conversation about race, but really making sure that companies are aware when they you know, don't have representation in their senior leadership. I know at Women in Music, like we have kind of overhauled our board of directors um, and still have a lot of work to do, but we want to make sure that even with as a nonprofit in the music space, like we have to have leaders who are representative of, of our industry. Looking forward, Nicole thinks the focus needs to remain on changing workplace culture. She told me some steps her organization is taking to do so. I think if we just kind of continue on the path that we're at, but making sure we have quantifiable changes that we're working toward. One of the things we're doing at Women in Music is putting together a workplace initiative, which seeks to name the quote unquote best places to work for women in music, because in corporate America, there are those lists that exist and we just don't have any visibility or transparency really about like the kinds of benefits that these companies offer or the pay structures for women compared to their male counterparts. And certainly like have some kind of grading system or benchmark set for workplace culture, you know, places like Peloton or bigger music tech companies all kind of really work in that space to make sure workplace culture is prioritized. Um, and we in the industry, music industry are like so far behind because we often are either freelancers or we have really small firms. So there isn't as much of like an HR structure that we lean on. So women in music is definitely trying to fill that gap as well to make sure that we have benchmarks to set and kind of calls to action for industry companies to really set standards and meet those standards for workplace culture. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today. It's been really great. Thank you so much. 
That was the all-female rock band, Thick. Members Nikki, Kate, and Sherry have all wanted to be musicians from a young age. They found each other close to five years ago and established themselves in the Brooklyn DIY scene. The trio sings about the ups and downs of life in their 20s, from feeling behind their successful peers to dealing with men who mansplain their profession to them. I started by asking them about the struggles they've faced as female performers in a male-dominated field. Here's Nikki, starting off by describing a moment that she remembers. One that comes to my mind was we were at Grand Victory, and like a, a sound person like was mansplaining my guitar pedals oh, yeah. to me. It was so, and it was just like, I think a big obstacle was like almost doubting myself in the scene because so many men made me question myself, made me question my tone, made me question my amp that I chose and why I played a certain guitar. And if I didn't have an answer, they questioned my, my love for music. And I feel like there's a little bit of being between a rock and a hard place where if you're just starting out, you're not taken seriously and everyone kind of looks down on you. But then when you start to achieve any level of success, there's a lot of, oh, well, would they be in this position if they weren't three women? Or would they, like, it's girl rock and labels are looking for that. Or they're only on this bill because they needed to fill it with girls. It's sort of, once you start to achieve success, it's taken away from you. (laughs) And as you're trying to build yourself up, you're like struggling to uh, get taken seriously. And it feels like it's just like a never ending cycle where you start to play bigger venues. And then all of a sudden, the amount of like credibility you've established within your kind of local scene vanishes and you get mansplaining sound people or you know it just kind of it evolves it doesn't really go away. Although situations like this are fairly common as female musicians the band told me they see less of this behavior in New York than in other cities around the country. I actually feel like it's better in New York City than most other places we toured to be totally honest and I think it's like kind of saying where like there was an article about women in music and most of the guys I know in bands around here came up to me that week and were like well duh we already know that women are taking over rock music like that's what's happening in our scene anyway whereas when we would play shows even in other major cities like LA I don't think the reception was quite as warm it felt a lot like more standoffish or we played a female fronted festival and a man actually was wasted and like came up on our stage in the middle of Nikki introducing a song and beelined for Sherry at the drums. And I ended up having to like shove him off the stage and no one came to our defense. At the end of the day, the woman who organized it was like, yeah, you know, I, I was actually expecting a lot more of it. I'm glad that that was only the only one hiccup, which I think is crazy because in New York, I feel like the there would have been so many people who would have immediately rushed on stage or had... Yeah you know, kind of tried to make sure it was in an environment that felt safe. And obviously there are, nothing is perfect and this scene is far from perfect, but I've actually felt that New York has been much more um, open and has more of an eye for diversity of all sorts on bills than a lot of other places we've played. Well, I feel like with New York especially, like it, it's, you know, it's definitely, like, like Kate said, it's not perfect and it's aware of its faults and I think like it's caught up to like being you know including women in the in the scene and I mean I almost feel like now it's like not even a question this is normal to have a very like you know a bill with a lot of women on it it's like just a normal bill but I think now it's like okay everything's very it's very white I think the scene now is working on that it's like Mm -hmm okay, now, we, now we're catching ourselves. It's a very white scene. How can we make this better? So I think that's with New York. We're always, I always feel the scene is very aware of its faults mm-hmm. and aware of like, be, you know, keeping people out of it. And so I think the cool, it's 
I'm ready for it. I think the team's waking up to be like, okay, now it's like, how can we make this even, even better? And this shift towards awareness is having real effects for racial equity in the music scene. A study from USC and Spotify found that female artists from underrepresented racial or ethnic groups represented more than half of 2019's top artists. This is a huge leap forward from previous years. But the band still struggles with their identity and expression as an all-female group and has experienced double standards. Here's Sherry. We all grew up being tomboys. Uh, I know for me, like, sometimes I was always a tomboy. loved hanging out with, with guys, like, loved sports, like, go around the neighborhood, ride bikes. Where I feel like some people growing up, like, made fun of me for being a tomboy. And I find now what's cool is it's more normalized to be a tomboy and people are more open to like if that's what you want to be and I think femininity has changed so much over the years because if I'm wearing you know at the end of the day like if I'm wearing a really baggy outfit or a really tight outfit like inside I'm so proud of being a female and I'm so proud of other females so I think the perception of that has just changed so much. It's it's really funny too because I think it does come with phases though where there's a sense where when you're first starting a band like if you're dressing too sexy on stage you lose credibility because you're yeah. like girls in these sexy outfits trying to get eyes on you on stage yeah. and then once you kind of get confident and establish your band you like release your record or your body of work and you're like okay I've been doing this for a while I am myself I am this band and then you start to be able to kind of wear whatever you want again and like you don't have to be wearing a baggy t-shirt and baggy jeans to get taken seriously so I think there is yeah. like there's almost a flip side of I guess it's it's just like everything else like there's a double-edged sword you you either lose credibility because <laughs> you're dressing sexy or you like dress like a tomboy and you lose your femininity or however you want to express yourself but mm -hmm. I think that the phases are kind of funny too because I think you see that a lot where in the early, early stages, it's like almost trying to eliminate femininity because it's seen by the industry as yes. like other or weakness or attention seeking behavior. I think it, it, the thing that's so crazy too is like, I've never spoken with a man I've been in a band with or otherwise about what another man is wearing on stage or yeah. what they're thinking about wearing on stage. Like never, ever, ever. The fact that these double standards exist makes the representation of women on stage that much more important. Here's what they had to say about it. It's so important. I think, I mean, representation in general is important, but even Nikki talking about seeing other women on stage and you look at that, I can do that. Or I think there is a certain, um, a certain level of awareness that comes with a feeling of ever being marginalized that when bookers some bookers are very aware of trying to create diverse bills and some are not. Mm, and I yeah. think there's sort of an old school way of doing things. And the more you introduce people who may have different opinions or different perspectives, ultimately the more interesting the whole industry will be. It'll be a more diverse set of bands, like sonically, background-wise, everything. For Thick, they've been particularly inspired by the career of one female artist, Kathleen Hanna. I think for her, it's so fascinating, like looking at interviews and even when she looks back now, her kind of complete lack of fear is what always strikes me the most, where the music was obviously an inspiration. Like 
love Bikini Kill, love punk music in general, but it's more even her willingness to sort of speak up without yeah. fear of repercussion that I think struck me the most as an adult yeah. who, you know, gets, gets fearful of negative repercussions, <laughs> my words. And so having someone who's so public and so outspoken, I think that to me is like an enormous inspiration. And I try to consistently get more and more like that and less and less fearful. As we finished up our conversation, I asked the band what advice they would give to aspiring female musicians. You got this. We believe in you. You know, just, you just, I would just go for it and believe in yourself 100%. If you really believe in yourself, then you'll get far. You can't rely on other people to get you far. You can't rely on other people to float you, to validate you. You know, you got to validate yourself and love yourself to really get anywhere. Thanks for listening to She Was, She Is. Coming up next week, we'll explore the evolution of women in government with the advocacy group Amplify Her and New York Assemblywoman Rebecca Seawright. Our music is courtesy of bensound.com. I'm Rebecca Gutierrez.